this is my ASMR channel where I talk shit about white people. <laughs> I'm fixing my hijab now. <laughs> Those were the noises. That's so beautiful. This is woke ASMR. Kill all whites. It's me, Lauren, <laughs> and we're still in the cavern. I'm actually trapped in the cavern. They won't let me out. <laughs> Vicky and Katie have trapped me in the cavern. Welcome to this episode of Cavern of Secrets. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this episode of the podcast. Uh, we have today for you... Uh, my good friend, Sarah Hagee, who was someone I was desperate to have on the first run of Cavern of Secrets, but it just did not work out. So I feel like it's fate that she came for this re-up, this rebirth of Cavern. Sarah Hagee is a writer. She is a woman about town. She is a viral sensation on the internet. Uh, you probably follow her on Twitter because why the fuck wouldn't you? That would be very stupid if you didn't. She has written for so many publications. Uh, I would highly suggest you go out and read the piece she wrote for Food and Drink magazine on the Garfield restaurant in Toronto, which we talk about on the podcast, but it is truly one of the funniest pieces of food writing I've ever read. I'm not just saying that because Sarah's my friend and I loved the Garfield restaurant, the high the high art concept of it. It is truly funny. I'm so excited to have Sarah on the podcast. She is just such a prolific and amazing person and writer and woman about town. And, and I had so much fun talking to her and I hope you guys have fun listening to our conversation. I'm very turned on right now. I have to speak normally now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Please, please welcome my beautiful guest. Uh, thanks for having me in the cavern. Thanks for being in the cavern, which is not a metaphor for my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No one ever thought that. Um, Sarah, you beautiful bitch. Welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm a huge fan of you, the podcast. All of it. Right back at you. Oh, thanks. I feel like we knew each other on the internet for a while before we like met IRL, which is a very millennial condition. We 100% met online and I thought you were so cool and funny. I honestly think you're one of the funniest people ever. Um, and here. it's because you don't care about like uh, pleasing anyone with your jokes. You're doing what's funny to you. Comedy is such a weird thing where like, you're not for everyone, so you may as well just do whatever the fuck you think is funny, you know? No one wants to, like, listen to someone who's trying too hard. Yeah. Uh, which is one thing I'm very afraid of, is that, like, every time I do something, I'm like, am I trying too hard? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, can they sense the desperation of needing people to like me off this? <laughs> I thought um, you were so cool and funny. I, like, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like at the time when we were meeting each other, I was like just establishing myself as like, I'm like, I pretty much had no idea what I was doing with my life. I still don't, but I had no career yeah. at all. And I, I just randomly started writing and I 
found success. It was like the right time and I knew the right people. I do associate you with like thinking of which cartoon characters are black. It's so weird what ends up sticking and what ends up like not sticking because it was like April 2017, I think, when that was published. And it started off as this joke. I was working at Vice at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, My editors were white. Great, great people. (laughs) I just... (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like I have to clarify that they... Like, it's not like they were discouraging it. But they didn't know what I was talking about. And I don't know how it came up. And I was like, I'm going to write this dumb thing about cartoon characters being black. And it just ended up going somewhere I didn't really think it would like it was it was intended to be a fully a joke piece where I was like yeah Bugs Bunny's black and all these characters are black and then it kind of evolved into me being like oh shit I never saw black cartoon characters therefore these like cartoon animals and like things were coded as black to me whether or not they were supposed to be Mm -hmm. it was weird because that was probably the most popular thing I had written at the time and I still didn't really know what my beat was generally as a writer. Like I felt like I did a lot of identity stuff when I didn't want to like writing about, Oh yeah. I'm a, I'm a black Muslim woman. And like, just like kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Cause I felt like I had to like, Oh yeah. man, I'm like one of the few who are doing this got to represent, you know? And, uh, it was like one of the first times I was like, I'm fully just going to do something that's like funny and weird and I'm going to lean into it. And then like as stupid as it sounds, because it really is like such a dumb piece that got me just like the most insane kind of emails and tweets, like all kinds of white people were talking to me about it. Like (laughs) the ones who were kind of like, oh, I I fully understand. I just don't know why you think Luigi, who's Italian, is a black man. (laughs) And then, you know, things like that. It's called being biracial, okay? <laughs> I got to speak to so many black people and, like, people of color about it. And, like, one of them was like, yeah, Luigi, to me, is black because he's, a, you know, he's better than Mario and he doesn't get any of the credit, you know? <laughs> I was like, yeah, Luigi is a black man. Or, or kind of like, and then, like, white people who are like, yeah, everything's about racy, race baiting, bitch, go die. Yeah, um, classic. <laughs> and then others who are like, mm, yeah, I get it. I'm not going to argue with you here. <laughs> and I, I feel like... I realized like what I wanted to do with that, which is just kind of like take something that I'm deeply interested in and think about all the time, no matter how stupid it is, and try and kind of peel back the layers Mm -hmm. into making it something deeper. Yeah. It really was, I think, the the like the turning point for my career when I wrote that. Cause I was like, oh, I could do what I want. Yeah. I hundred percent remember you and I having a conversation. And something that you said really stuck with me, you were like, I feel like editors and people want me to write about being a black Muslim woman in Canada, but I just want to write about celebrity gossip. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I get that shit. Like, it's hard to be pigeonholed in such a like specific way where everything you have to write about is like sort of seen as serious and you don't necessarily, even though you are a black Muslim woman and it's your prerogative to like make jokes about that or be funny about that. I feel like people perceive it as a more serious thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because I feel like anyone who has a type of job where you're publicly facing, like my name's on it, my face is there. And it's like, I don't know, not to sound like 
I'm like a celebrity, but people make these <laughs> assumptions about you and like who you are and what kind of things you like and what you represent. And then you end up speaking for this whole group of people, whether you like it or not. And that's something I've like really, really tried to avoid, especially because like, yeah, of course, my identity is the most important thing. It's what shapes everything in my life. But mm -hmm. I feel like a part of that is like it lends to everything else I do, mm -hmm. like whether it's like, you know, any type of humor writing or, you know, like something like that or talking to someone who thinks they're an alien or like, <laughs> you know, like the Garfield Cafe, like oh all God. these things. It it really does like every like all of who I am ends up in my work somehow. I don't know. 100%. One time when I was first starting comedy, I remember a male comedian was like, well, like, you know, do you are you a feminist? And I was like, yes. And he was like, well, do you do feminist comedy? And I was like, what he was that? like, would you call yourself a feminist comedian? And I was like, so he was like, I think that's so limiting. And I was like, well, I'm a feminist and a woman who walks through the world. So inherently all of my comedy is about that and it is feminist. And if you think that's limiting, then like, I that, I, that just doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? Of course especially when you're doing something super personal, like writing sort of first person mm -hmm. style, like essay work or that kind of stuff or doing comedy. You know what I mean? You're always who you are is going to come through that. Yeah. I mean, and it, for a while, I like really scared me because I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get hired. Um, like or just like people only want me for one thing. And it's true. You know, in a lot of ways, the only times editors hit me up is when they are like, oh, we need a little spice here. <laughs> um uh, which is annoying, but also I do feel like, you know, everything's been done. Like everything I want to write or have pitched, like someone's talked about it, someone's mm -hmm. done it, but like what makes it different is me. Like I'm the difference in something like, you know, a white guy can write about. It's mm -hmm. like me writing it from my voice and having like my own kind of style and way of doing things, I think was something I was really scared of at first. But now I'm like, Ooh, this is the only reason why I have a career is because of <laughs> who I am. Yeah. Can we talk about the Garfield restaurant? Oh, oh my God, we can. It's, you know, the thing about when you make something your brand, <laughs> and I don't know how it happened where every, like I associated myself with Garfield, but it happened somehow. And to this day, people are always sending me anything to do with Garfield. Like, people who literally do not know me. I love that shit. And it feels great. But again, I'm like, oh, no. Is this why I'm a single? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Is man. Is it because I'm such a freak? Well, I mean, who couldn't love a Garfield freak? I don't know. A freak with a Q, like, freak. <laughs> um, okay, just contextually, for those of you who don't live in Toronto... A man came here to open a Garfield restaurant experience. It's like less of a restaurant, more of an experience where you experience really bad food is my understanding of it. Yeah. Now that time has passed, I am looking at this with like fresh eyes. And, uh, you know, I'm I honestly, a part of me is like kind of scared that someone will a part of this will listen to it somehow. <laughs> Like, am I actually genuinely scared right now? The fucking Garfield Mafia is going to come for you? They're going to come for me. Jim Davis is going to give you a phone call? Yeah, it was just, like, so weird, you know? Like, 
I was walking, actually, I was walking down Bloor with my friend and I was like really sad and like crying. And I was like, what is Garfield doing on that storefront? <laughs> because it was like, like I was literally crying my eyes out, walking down the street with my friend, something had happened. And I saw like this, you know, uh, whatever image, the storefront, yeah. the storefront, it wasn't open yet. And it was Garfield and the owner whose name I will not say, cause I'm so scared I'm going to summon him. And I was like, what is this? And she took a picture of me in front of it, which was very funny because like I was crying. Um, <laughs> just like sobbing in front of the Garfield You're not going to regret this. You're not going to regret this. Uh, and then I kind of forgot about it. And then I was like, I don't know what this is, what this means. Uh, and then uh, I did a lecture, Trampoline Hall. Um, and I mentioned it, it was about me loving bootleg things. I, I'm honestly like... I have like 12 interests and I don't shut up about them. <laughs> and then someone mentioned, did you hear about the Garfield restaurant? I'm like, oh my God, like that's what it is. It's a restaurant. Uh, I tweeted out someone, please, please, please let me write about the Garfield restaurant. Like it's, I was born to do it. And Truly, then you're the only person. <laughs> my friend who works at Food and Wine, she's an editor there. Um, Maria, she was like, hey, like, let's do this. And it was like, honestly just so cool of her because food and wine's serious it is serious like it's not like a like they're they don't do funny things yeah they don't do like satirical food and no wine they things. don't and she's also a writer and she's definitely a freak like me and so I, I really trusted her and i was like absolutely i would do this with you even though again she was like we've never really done anything like this so you can do whatever you want that's amazing uh and it was great and it took months yeah. literal months and i i just spoke with like i emailed these pr people and they i, I felt like i was going crazy like it was like shutter this. island you were like posting about it and i was like this seems the like the most insane like kafka-esque pro like they were like well you know we can't the restaurant we don't know when the restaurant's opening so we can't tell you and you were like but i can't and they're like, Dude. so when are you going to publish it? I'm like, I don't know. When you guys open it, like, I'm not the crazy one here. Yeah. Like, like I'm not the idiot right now. <laughs> and it was crazy. And then I was like, I, I was like letting my editor know. And I would email her and be like, this is so weird. She's like, do you still want to do this? It's honestly like kind of scary. <laughs> I was like, no, we must. We must for journalism. This was my all the president's men. <laughs> this was my spotlight. This was like my journalistic pursuit. And like... I can't wait till the movie's made about me uncovering. And it, I'm going to play you. You know, the weirdest like thing. Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she was in one of those. Oh, no, it was Rachel McAdams. Yeah, yeah She was yeah. the woman allowed <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> they let her be in it. Uh, but, you know, the weirdest thing was like, after I had spoken to the guy who owns it, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this without being mean. Because this is like this is such an insane thing, and I I don't know how to like write about this without making fun of him, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to make fun of him, yeah, because like he was just living his life, he wasn't harming anyone, and I didn't want to be a, a bitch, yeah. But it worked out because I mean he just spoke for himself, yeah, and he was very happy with the article. That's He's great. The very, article very happy. is amazing. 
Like, if you haven't read it, please look it up. We'll link to it in the Food and Wine. Yeah. Garf. Garf? <laughs> that's not that's not the link. <laughs> Imagine if that was the link. <laughs> Foodandwine.ca slash Garf slash slash Cavalry Secrets for your discount at the Garfield Cafe. <laughs> Uh, you'll get an additional 20% off your next order. So food and wine, you cannot say something's disgusting. You can't be, you can't say like this was really bad. Like you have to make people read between the lines. Yeah. And I can honestly say that was the worst food I've purchased with legal money. Like I, it's like, I, I honestly like, I was with my friends and we were like, what is worse than this? Like true. And I was with two people who don't exaggerate. Yeah. They're normal people who don't need to hyperbolize. Yeah. And we were like, what could be worse than this? That's like, I've yeah. never tasted. I'm telling you, I've never tasted food so bad in my life. And it was expensive as hell. Yeah, that's what oh I've heard. God, so much money. It was so much money. And we got a 50% off discount because it was like the, the second day. The tiny ass pizza that was... It was, I was like excited because it was beef pepperoni and, you know, like keep it halal. Mm-hmm. And for some reason there were onions on it, like, All like right. a, ch- like just a bunch of onions randomly on the pizza, okay. yeah. tiny ass pizza, a uh, Kleenex box of lasagna. And I say Kleenex box because that is what the box is supposed to be when you're done with it. Yeah. You know, after the marinara sauce and the cheese. I have it has- in my freezer still. <laughs> oh my God. It's, a, it's like my wedding cake. <laughs> Uh, and a little box of salad was literally fifty dollars before no. the discount. Yes, five zero dollars without delivery or tip because I ordered in the store. And it's crazy because it's like not even a block away from a pizza pizza. And you think about like what fifty dollars can get you at like a fast food pizza chain. What fifty dollars could get you at like a fancy pizza place? I- yeah, truly. And we, I was beside myself. I was, okay, and this also didn't make it into the story. The owner was talking about Bill Murray. Yes. <laughs> because of the Garfield movie. Yeah. Uh, and he kept saying Bill Murray. <gasps> and now it's like, it's like, truly, it was like the second he said that, it was like something went into my brain and I cannot say Bill Murray anymore. Like I have to consciously be like Bill Murray and I cannot say Bill Murray. And he's like, the movie starring Bill Murray. And I was like, uh, who? I was like, just so, I was so taken aback by the error because I've never heard anyone say it like that before. Okay. I have a really important question for you. Is Garfield black? Um, hmm. I don't think so. Uh, I think everyone in the Garfield universe is white. Garfield has swag, though. I'll give him that. Yeah, that tracks. Um, he's definitely a cool white guy. Yes. He's like one of the white guys who's got the beanie that rolls up and just tucks under his ears. Yeah, he wears... He's like... (laughs) Adult hype beast. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That's that makes me sick to say. Honestly, I want to puke right now that I said those words about Garfield because I'm just imagining all the fan art where he's wearing like Supreme <laughs> and like an undefeated hat. You know what I mean? He's like beyond Supreme too. He's like got whatever's after whatever's like the new thing that's like not Supreme. I don't know what it is. I, we I'm don't like, even know. I'm not cool. <laughs> what is it? Stone Island? I don't know. <laughs> 
So let's talk about She's All That. She's All That, a fucking seminal film in my life, personally. Absolutely in my life. I, I honestly, I think it's one of the best movies ever made. It's definitely one of the in best like, teen rom-com romps. I really love that movie. Everything about it is good. Usher's in it. Lil Kim's in Usher, it. Usher, Lil Kim, Paul Walker, R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, Dulé Hill. Wow. Is in it. Fucking Matthew Lillard, Freddie Prince, Freddie Rachel Prince. Lee Cook. Freddie Prince Jr. When I like, I was obviously too young to really adore oh, him. Kieran Culkin's in that movie too. Yes. Sorry. Oh my god. Oh my god. What a show movie. Um, I was too young to appreciate how handsome he was, but it's one of those always on TV. Like mm-hmm. you will you can watch it every year by accident. Yeah, 100%. And I'm just like, wow, like, will there ever be another Freddie Prince Jr.? I mean, probably, but... No. <laughs> He's a once-in-a-generation ta- talent. <laughs> okay, also, can I just say, do you remember in 10 Things I Hate About You? Actually, 10 Things I Hate About You is my, like, seminal... It comes above She's All mm-hmm. That for me. When Heath Ledger died, I literally sobbed. Um, Julia... Of styles in that movie, the scene where they're at the party Dancing and she dances table. to the Biggie song to hypnotize on the table. I was rewatching it recently, and we were all like, "Where was that fucking energy in Save the Last Dance? Like, you're actually a good, a good dancer." And then you get into the club and Save the Last Dance, and you're like, "I even after you're supposed to be a good dancer, you're like, I robot me I actually, robot." It's crazy because I watched Save the Last Dance, and I was like, "She's an amazing dancer." When I was younger. Like, I didn't know she was a bad dancer until, like, a couple of years ago. I spent my whole life thinking, like, Julia Stiles? She's got rhythm. (laughs) Only to realize now that bitch cannot dance. No, she can't. Also, I can't dance, so that's probably why I thought she was a good dancer. That's true, yeah. Um, Also, I feel like, as Canadians, we'd watch these kinds of teen movies, and we'd think, like, wow, this is America. The choreographed dance move, yes. the choreographed dance at prom. I was like, do all American high schools have this shit? Or it would be like, do they all wear Letterman jackets? Do their proms look like this? Yeah. Uh, do they all have cars? Do they have a radio station and ushers somehow the never t- in class? <laughs> yeah. Usher, are you 30? <laughs> Usher, what are you doing here? You graduated five years ago. And... I don't know, man. It's just like I always think I always think about how all these shows shaped our view of America so much. Yeah. Not to get too deep, mm-hmm. but Please this is very pre 9-11. It's a very pre 9-11. And I feel like it idealized America to all of us in this way where like we'd consume all these American shows and movies and be like, America's the best. And then like 9-11 happened and then it was kind of like, ooh, I don't ooh. know if it's, I want to go there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Also, like, the valedictorian speeches where we'd be like, I spent my whole high school looking at you guys and thinking we had nothing in common. But it turns out we're all the same and we all want the same thing. And that's why, Zach, like, it's just like, what? Like, what? And that's why me and my boyfriend are, like, the best. I know. It's so sad. My high school experience was so wildly different. No one liked me. I mean, I had friends, but, like, I just want you to know my prom was in Paris, Ontario, and the theme of the prom was One Night in Paris. (laughs) This was before the Paris Hilton sex tape came out. (laughs) But can you imagine? (laughs) God. Paris, Ontario. Paris, Ontario. Ontario. I took a school bus. 
to my prom. Me and a bunch of friends rented one. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't go to my prom. Uh, I went to Dairy Queen. That is also cute. Uh, I just didn't really want to go. It was on my scene. Neither of my sisters did. I was like the loser. <laughs> and everyone's like, you're going to regret not going to prom for your whole life, Sarah. And I'm like, mm, no. I saw the best like Reddit am I the asshole post recently where the woman was like, my husband got who has tattoos all over his legs, but he always promised me that he was never going to touch his arms. He was out the other night and getting wild drunk with a friend of his who's a tattoo artist. And he came home and I woke up in the morning and he has the sublime sun on his like the top of his like left shoulder. Oh. And she was like, I am fucking livid. <laughs> like, she was so mad. She was like, Sublime fucking sucks. And he had gotten it because, like, he really liked Sublime, like, when he was in high school. Like, all of us fucking did. Like, I, <laughs> I'm a white person from the sticks. Like, loving is what I got. And you got to remember that, Sarah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. I can't believe this interview is over. I have to go now. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Lauren. <laughs> R.I.P. Bradley Noel. Maybe I'm going to get a Sublime tattoo. Anyways, she was just, like, so mad. And the comments were all, like, people were either, like, like, no one's the asshole here. Or, like, you don't, even though you're married, like, he can get whatever tattoos he wants. You know what I mean? It's not like you have a baby and then he went out and spent $2,000 of, of baby money on a huge sublime back piece. Like, the yeah. tattoo was probably free. It was his friend, whatever. But I was just, like... Just the idea of like waking up in the morning and like rolling over and seeing the sublimes, <laughs> like it was killing me. I, you know, I'm always for these like Reddit relationships and am I the asshole things. Like, I feel like there's, I just don't know what kind of person goes on these and types out their life story and then has the world tell them like, yeah, like, have you been on Reddit, dude? Like, yeah. this is a place where on the front page, you'll see someone be like, hey, here's my controversial opinion. Privilege isn't real. <laughs> and there'll be like 40,000 upvotes. You're asking these 16-year-olds who smell like B.O. if you're the asshole, you know? Also, just based on what you told me, I kind of think like if I were to pick an asshole, it would kind of be him. See, as someone who has like some dumb tattoos, you have great tattoos. Oh, thank you. But one of them is like Drake related. Do you know what I mean? Like, I did, I'm not good good at making decisions. <laughs> I mean, it's tastefully done, though. That's thank the thing. You. Like, I just feel like I would be very annoyed. Not annoyed enough to post on Reddit, but I'd be like, I have to be seen with you, and now you're that guy with the sublime <laughs> tattoo. Like, you know, if he if it's something that happens before you're together, like, I get it. You know, you've had your own life. But, like, I feel like it's a bit inconsiderate. Well, I guess we gotta agree to disagree here, Sarah. <laughs> Lauren, I'm just so mad that you kept getting those tattoos when I told you. I'm your friend and I don't want to be seen with you with your tattoos. With the tattoo that says sublime right across my forehead? Yeah, exactly. Here's my last one, but I think this is great. I'm just gonna put my drink down. I get the sublime suns around both nips. <laughs> I, it's sick because you know someone has those. Like, you know someone has those, and they're the kind of person who takes their top off in the crowd at outdoor concerts. Because why else would you do that? Why the fuck else? They would, be, they would be like, oh, man, I'm so sad Woodstock 2019 was canceled. 
people your Twitter at? Twitter.com slash geeky long leg. Something I regret making. Too late now. Can't change it. It's a stupid oh, name. Yeah. I thought it was just like your name, but then I like, it is geeky long legs. Yeah, it's really stupid. I'm, I'm, I regret it. <laughs> thank you so um, much. This was great. Yo, thank you. This is, you were someone I wanted to have on like the original, but obviously we got I'm cut. so glad it's now when I'm like so much cooler. You're like really cool. You're like super famous. Like everybody loves you. Like, oh my God, stop. Yeah. <laughs> That was my conversation with Sarah Haggy, a wonderful woman. Follow her at Geeky Longlegs. Uh, find her work, read it, enjoy it, live your life, love your truth, et cetera, et cetera. Live, laugh, love, as we say here in the Cavern Studios. So, you guys, I've been thinking, and I think I'm not really like a carceral person. You know what I mean? Like, I don't believe in the carceral state. I actually don't think anything should be illegal. I think we should abolish all prisons. But that being said, have we considered that HGTV, like as a channel, should be illegal? (laughs) I feel like I was watching a show the other day and these people, I'm not even shitting you, were going to spend one million U.S. doll hairs on 6,000 square feet for them and their two children. That is, that should be fucking illegal. Like, Kim, there's people dying. There are literally like so many people who do not even have one home. It's so fucking ugly on top of being just like ugly at its core. Do you know what I mean? Like ugly in the way that like capitalism is ugly. Then they were just like ugly on top of that. Like how are you going to be so you have a million dollars and not a lick of fucking taste between the two of you? My God, it's offensive. Don't even get me started on the property brothers. They're like Canadian too. I don't respect or appreciate any of that nonsense like one of them's dating zoe deschanel like zoe are you okay like call me okay do you know what i do love this british reality tv show called escape to the country it's a wonderful show where british people are like oh my life in the city i'd love to move out to the country and have a have a garden and two acres and maybe some chickens and i'm like oh my fucking god me too and then all small towns in the uk are like a post office and they have a pub and like everyone lives in these like picturesque houses that were built in like the 1600s and like have thatched roofs or whatever unless sorry british people listening to this i'm really fucking up the geography but uh i love the show because they have these people on they're like okay i'm gonna look at some houses in the country and then in pretty much 99 percent of the episodes they get to the end and the people are like oh thank you so much that was a great time we loved looking at the houses we're just gonna move on And you're like, no one ever buys anything. No, the end of the episode is just like the real estate person being like, we had a great time out here in Devon trying to help these people find a home and we didn't and that's fine. And then it like cuts immediately to this announcer person being like, do you want to escape to the country? Want to live in Northern Ireland, Scotland, somewhere in the British countryside? Call the BBC or like go to this website thing and fill out a form. And I was like, I'm obsessed with this, like extremely low stakes 
Like, nobody uses the term dream house or man cave. It's just people who want to have chickens and go to the fucking pub. Like, if that shit isn't relatable, I don't know what is. This is how you know I'm getting very old and washed, is I'm like, I want a fucking chicken, and I want a pub three minutes away that I can walk to and go and, like, have a fucking cheers situation, you know? Me and Dr. Fraser Crane. If you're in Toronto, come to our live show. It's on October 27th. We've got great guests, Kyrell Grant, Marlo Granados, and Mary H.K. Choi, plus more. You can buy tickets online now. And you can follow us at Cavern of Secrets uh, on Twitter. I'm Internet Lauren. Please subscribe, share, and leave a review. This show was executive produced by Katie Jensen, and our producer is Ellen Payne-Smith. Our theme music is by Bianca Giulione, and our show artwork is by Nick Ilozada. Thanks to Sarah Daniel and Vicky Mochama for their editorial support. And as always, big fucking shout out to Anshman Idamsede, my OG producer. <laughs>